0: Despite being the world's fourth largest population in the, in the world, Indonesia only is the 22nd largest center of international students. But then, although it's still a tiny majority there, Australia remains as the top destination. So I think Australia is a very special country for us Indonesians.
1: From ASEAN to Australia, it's asip On Air, the show where we amplify young voices Explore diverse perspectives and deepen conversations on key issues across Australia and Southeast Asia. In this episode, Hilda Young joins us from Indonesia as we discuss the labor of love between Indonesia and Australia in education and labor skills training. We'll learn how the Indonesia-Australia Comprehensive Economic Partnership Agreement addresses Indonesia's pain points in upgrading labor skills, the cycle of education inequality, and ways to improve the partnership's technical, vocational education
2: training moving forward. So, Hilda... Before we ask you any questions, could you give us a brief overview about your piece?
0: Thank you, Nawina. So I'm writing a piece about boosting the relationship within Indonesia and Australia in terms of education and labour skills, upskilling. So uh, the background of my piece is actually my personal experience. So last year, I just did my master's in public policy uh, in the UK, and during which I just realized how much development, how much rooms of improvements there is in Indonesia in terms of education sector, and how I was happy that I got the opportunity to study abroad, but apparently I was actually very, very privileged amongst my population in general Mm -hmm. to have had the opportunity to do so. And so uh, learning that Indonesia's economic opportunity is very, very significant, we also need a strong labor workers to support that growth definitely.
1: Right. As you mentioned, with Indonesia's sheer youth population, it is a promising economic power especially as its middle class continues to prosper. So could you paint us a picture of Indonesia's potential one, in its growth of SMEs and two, as a labor exporter?
0: First uh, as for the SME, currently SME accounts for probably 60% of Indonesia's GDP, and also it it's accounts for the 97% of domestic workforce. So it is pretty safe to say that SME is the backbone of Indonesian economy. And also I mentioned in my article that majority of the domestic workforce is still informal, so these SMEs are still working informally in terms of corporate law <laughs> and everything in Indonesia. And so uh, moving forward, I think SME will still hold a major role in Indonesian economic growth, but then moving that into a more formal economy is also a challenge in Indonesia, which I think partially can be helped through improving the quality of the workforce itself, because the higher the education of anyone, they would definitely be prefer a more formal job rather than an informal one. And then the second part of the question, which is about the labour exporter, currently there are only around 8, 8 million Indonesians living abroad, uh, that accounts for only like 3% of the population, and unfortunately, majority of them are low-skilled workers, just I think it's proportionate to whatever we have uh, domestically also. Uh, And that's why I think improving the education sector as quickly as possible and improving the quality of the workforce is very crucial for Indonesia.
2: Thank you for that. That was a a very interesting account of the current youth population size and also the labour mobility and movement within Indonesia as well. In your piece, you expounded on the pain points in in Indonesia's labour market, notably that only 13% of the labour force have attained higher education. Latest figures show that some 20,000 Indonesian students are education exports to Australia. Is there a trend um, of re-entering Indonesia and rejoining the workforce after that?
0: Yes, yes, definitely. So majority of Indonesians are studying abor- abroad, I think, for now. Uh, although the number is still very, very small compared to, relative to the population, uh most of them are re- will re-enter Indonesian workforce uh, after the Great Week. I guess that's partially because also Indonesia is a growing economy, so there are definitely tons of opportunities uh, here in Indonesia. And that is still not a problem yet of uh, people emigrating out of the country now, and I think that's
1: a good trend that we need to maintain. Your piece indicates that Indonesia-Australia Comprehensive Economic Partnership Agreement will aid the labor shortage in Indonesia. Could you tell me why the partnership with Australia would solve this problem as opposed to a partnership with another country such as Singapore for instance?
0: Okay, why a partnership with Australia is very, very important. Firstly, it's because of the preference of the Indonesian people in itself. So despite being the world's fourth largest population in the, in the world, Indonesia only is the 22nd largest center of international students. But then, although it's still a tiny majority there, Australia remains as the top destination. So I think Australia is a very special country for us Indonesians because of its geographic proximity, perceived institutional quality, and most importantly, uh, I think based on my family itself, like my parents, when they send their kids studying abroad, they wanted them to go back to Indonesia with a fluent English. And I think that is also one of the major drivers why Australia keeps being the top destination because uh, Indone- Australia is like the closest country where English is the Main language. I know that English is also the main national language in some of other ASEAN countries, but there's like this perceived quality of Australian in general that makes it the top destinations. But yeah, also now I know Singapore is now host to many top global education institutions, and given that it's still a tiny percentage of Indonesia studying abroad, we definitely need all hands on that contest.
1: Usually when uh, students are able to travel abroad, it's usually for higher education. So that's addressing 13% of the ones who have attained higher education. So are there projects um, that Indonesia is working on to address that low level of literacy? In terms of
0: increasing the literacy there are lots of initiatives taken by the government but then i think achieving improving the figures is not only about the education sector itself Uh, for example like 30 percent of newnesian children now experience stunted growth with that stunted growth would have a lasting impact until they grow up to be young adults and also they would also have significant impact in their education achievement also and there's like a structural problems behind it and as you can see in my article i mentioned that between expenditure groups only the top two quintal are actually achieving a close to the minimum 12 years of mandatory education in indonesia and that's partially not because of the financial actually because public schools from elementary up to high school have been free for quite some time for now, but still the education attainment itself is the main driver of why Indonesia is still lacking in terms of higher education attainment.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting because on one hand, it seems like there's a very small proportion of Indonesians who go overseas to you know, gain either a master's degree or a PhD or have the intention of staying onto, you know, those countries to further their careers and stuff like that. But then you also get um, Indonesians who go overseas to as you say, improve their English uh, proficiency, perhaps get a bachelor's degree, come back and they try to work uh, within the Indonesian labor market. But there seems to be a change in trajectory in terms of the emphasis. I think the emphasis nowadays is to actually um, get a higher level of education attainment rather than working on English proficiency, because I think there's a lot of services within Southeast Asian countries, and uh, I'm sure even in Indonesia, that offer a high caliber of actually learning English within their own country. So it's not, you know, I don't think nowadays people would go to Australia to learn English, for instance. Well, that's just my own personal experience being Malaysian. um, You know, Malay and English are both our national languages. So um, when a Malaysian goes to either Australia, the UK, or the US um, for further education, they already come with a level of high proficiency in English. So, on that, on the education sector, you recommended that the opening of Indonesia's education sector to foreigners uh, would be a strong point. How would you see diversifying the faculty to address um, sort of the literacy gap? In the country, and also, what can Australians and perhaps other ASEAN countries' fellows um, benefit these students in the country?
0: There is a persistent backlog in the domestic higher education demand. So currently, Indonesian public universities' capacity can only be for about twenty percent of the total high school graduates. So uh, this backlog, of course, would make the higher education sector a buyer's market, which limits the quality of the Tibet providers in Indonesia. And then, and yeah, opening up it to foreigners definitely would increase the competition in terms of the Tibet provider. So it would be great if many Australian universities, for for example, can come into Indonesia and then compete with the local ones that would definitely create a healthy competition for the local institutions also. And also, what can Australians and perhaps other Asian fellows benefit students in the country Uh, if Australia can open as many as universities in Indonesia, for example, then many other ASEAN students can actually study in Indonesia with a relatively lower living cost monthly, uh, but get the same quality of education, like, like if they go to Australia. I think that would definitely benefit more people in the region.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because in Malaysia, we have a Monash campus. So for those of you who don't know, Monash University is an Australian u- university and they also have a campus in Malaysia. Uh, but what happens is those students, a lot of them, they do a year in Malaysia and then they try to actually move to Australia after doing a year within a you know Australian overseas university. So it's quite interesting that you mentioned that that could actually help with the literacy gap in the country. It's
1: very exciting actually to see the Indonesian economy growing, especially with the startup economy in Indonesia. Like you have unicorns like Traveloka, Tohopedia, Gojek, and these require specific skill sets. Are these addressed in the Australian Tivet program in growing the startup industry in Indonesia?
0: yeah i think australian definitely australian education would definitely help for example because building a startup you need a very broad skill set needed there it's not only just a team of developer that can develop an app uh, that would need like a research team a debt data, data analyst and many other teams that are crucial in building these unicorns and in general because Majority of these unicorns will obviously aim for a broader market in the ASEAN. Then uh, English literacy there would play an even more important role because this startup eventually will become more like a multinational company for Indonesians.
1: Right. How has the Australian Tibet grown in importance in Indonesia, and how can the partnership further strengthen through this program?
0: Okay, Uh, as I mentioned previously, Australia remains as the top destination, the top pick for Indonesian families sending their kids for higher education. And then the growing trend in the past 10 years signifies its importance and Australian Tibet reputation among Indonesians. I think how the partnership can further strengthen through this program... So Through the IA's Chipa, Indonesia and Australia is committed not only in just exporting or importing TVET services, but there, there will be an industry committee that would help identify major skills gap within Indonesia labour condition. And so I think that is a very key program within the Indonesia Australia Chipa, which I think is different. Compared to any other partnerships between Indonesia and foreign countries. Hopefully, with this program, Indonesia and Australia can build a relationship, a mutually beneficial relationship that also effectively tackles the problem within Indonesia itself.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of ASIP On Air Special Edition on the ASIP Review 2020. Get your copy of the ASEAN Australia Review at ASIP.org. And follow us on all social media and subscribe to ASIP On Air on Spotify to catch our weekly episodes.